Welcome to Vitality Mindset Made Simple, where we take the stress out of being healthy. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Osmond, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me. So in episode 10, we're going to answer the burning question that you're all asking. Does sugar cause cancer? So I'm here to help you gear your mindset toward vitality with peer-reviewed information and simple strategies. Now, this is information that you're going to want because there's a lot of sugar out there and it tastes really, really good. And there is a lot of cancer out there that can really be bad. Cancer that can put a damper on what you want to be able to do in your life, how you want to feel, uh, how you want to be able to interact with those you love in your life. You know, these bodies are simply our relationship vehicles. And, And obviously being sick does not ruin relationships, but we do need these vehicles to be working as well as possible to just to be able to enjoy life, to be able to Uh, have time and energy for people, the people in our family, our friends, and also those that we want to serve. So does sugar cause cancer? You know, does water cause drowning? Uh, You know, how in the world does the internet even work? I mean, those are all burning questions. Now, I'm actually not going to talk about how the internet even works because I don't understand that. But I do understand about uh, sugar and how it's related to cancer. So you can relax. Sugar does not cause cancer. Bottom line, sugar does not cause cancer. However, that's not the end of the story because we have to explore the word cause. Now, the word cause has been a point of contention and an area of debate for centuries within scientific communities. Uh, The problem is that we don't understand everything about everything. And many of the diseases that we're dealing with in our world, especially cancer, has a lot of mysteries attached. And many of these things uh, have a lot of chronic inflammation that at least ignites them. So although we have galaxies to explore and germs to be discovered, uh, we're going to, we're going to explore exactly what, what cause means. Now, causal inference in any kind of medical area in epidemiology is very difficult to establish. And, you know, one of the few cases of causation is the case that cigarettes cause lung cancer. And, and that was, that was slow going. I mean, there were a lot of of debates and um, establishing that causation is very rare. And we can't even say that high cholesterol causes heart attacks. We, we can say, for example, that um, the cause of tuberculosis is a mycobacterium tuberculi. I mean, if you, that specific uh, bacteria causes tuberculosis. So this ongoing debate um, has been been big throughout history. Finally, in 1965, a, a man named Sir Austin Hill published what he called the nine viewpoints. And the nine viewpoints were help, were to help determine if something that was happening in the world was actually causal. So 1965, that was 12 years before the, the model for DNA was first suggested. Uh, that was before the double helix, that was 25 years before the Human Genome Project. So our understanding was much more 
elementary then than it is today. But these Bradford Hill criteria are still very fundamental in answering the question, you know, in what circumstances uh, can we, can the, can an observed association become a cause? So, so that's, I want you to understand that because when you're evaluating things for yourself, when you, you're working on your own vitality mindset, when you're thinking, what do I want in my life? What am I doing that I'm just doing and not understanding what potential impact this is going to have on me? Uh, I want you to understand this. I want to make this very clear because there are so many things in our world that we just do, that we just ignore, and we really don't know what the long-term implications are or the long-term complications. But so often in my, within my patient family, I've seen that when people know what could happen, then they're very mo- motivated to change. Their mindset changes. And of course, that's the first thing for any positive behavior change uh, is mindset. You can you can want, you can uh, try, 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 but until your wanter changes, you re- it's too hard to, to make positive change. So, so back to these nine viewpoints that uh, Bradford Hill devised. They were, they were really interesting. They, uh, they were things that you can, easily, uh, I'll, I'll briefly mention them, things that you can imagine. For instance, a big one was the strength of association. Now, an example of this was back in the days of chimney sweeps. The uh, They knew that people who were chimney sweeps had a 200 times greater chance of scrotal cancer than other people. So that led to a determination that chimney suet was a likely causal factor. Now, that's that's rare. As I said, we're dealing in our world with lots of different kinds of cancer. We're dealing with some cancers that are inflammatory, some that are not inflammatory. Uh, so, so that's why I say sugar does not cause cancer. But I hope that by the end of this podcast, you will know that it's certainly a, a huge contributor in something to pay attention to. Now, uh, one of the the Bradford Hill criteria was a biological gradient. Now, that's where the, that's kind of where I think sugar falls in. It's kind of, it's the dose that makes the poison. It's not that you, you have something yummy and uh, you're going to get cancer. No, it's, it's the fact that we are so uh, inundated with sugar. So many times what people think is a healthy food is really dessert. They just don't know that it's dessert. In not, and interestingly, in 1820, the average American uh, only ate seven pounds of sugar a year. Well, now that's way over a hundred pounds. And who in the heck knows how much it is post-COVID. I mean, and sugar is very, very addictive. So it's, it's easy to eat a lot of sugar. The, um, Another thing that's part of the the Bradford Hill is plausibility. That's when you sort of judge something based on the presence of something you already know. So, so we're starting to get there. You know, I think um, there's been so much false information surrounding sugar that that it's hard to to change the mindset that well, maybe this is not. This is energy, but maybe this energy is not good, doing good things for my um, 
for my body. So, so Bradford Hill wanted these to be sort of flexible guidelines. And I would say that sugar is not the cause of cancer, but it certainly falls under you know, the biological gradient for sure and potentially um, plausibility. So we know that sugar increases chronic inflammation. That's the key in the body. And we know that sugar contributes to chronic diseases that are well studied and are known to increase your cancer li- risk. Sugar can contributes to obesity, uh, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, kidney failure, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I mean, your liver is your key organ of detoxification. And so if it's not working well, uh, you are not going to detoxify, and that's absolutely going to increase cancer risk. Uh, Interestingly, when I was in dental school in the early 80s, we learned about uh, alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that was really almost the only kind of fatty liver disease. People that uh, were over drinking were ending up with uh, fatty cells in their livers. And so they weren't detoxifying as well. And that led them to have a lot more problems. Well, now non-alcoholic fatty liver disease has become a thing. It wasn't even a thing back then. And uh, now it is the majority of liver problems. Well, so sugar, you know, sugar contributes to all these. I mean, arthritis, brain fog, more and more. Next episode at 11, we're going to talk about brain fog, not related to sugar, but just related to other things in the world. So when you're eating too much sugar, you're likely eating, you know, fewer nutrient uh, dense foods that foods that have natural uh, cancer-fighting nutrients. So when I'm talking about sugar, I'm not talking about fruit. I'm, I'm, that's that's such a um, contentious point among health people, and I think so often we neglect to talk about the the basics, the the big the big things that can be uh, eliminated or decreased first before we worry about you know having a, a plum or a, a whole orange or you know the real fruit. The real the real food, the whole food has a lot more in it besides sugar. Some a patient said to me, "Well, gosh, are you going to eat watermelon this summer? It's so high in sugar." And I'm like, "Of course, I'm going to eat watermelon. I mean, it might have a high sugar content, but you have to eat the whole watermelon." In in reality, it's super delicious, uh, sweet, wholesome food that packs in. Uh, nutrient density, and that's what, and that those are things that are natural cancer fighters. So, hopefully, we've established that um, sugar contributes to cancer. And I would also like to say that we know that that cancer actually likes sugar. Uh, many cancers crave sugar. Case in point, if if you've had a PET scan or know someone has who's had a PET scan, um, then you'll be very interested in this. A PET scan is a type of imaging test that is used to diagnose certain diseases, including cancer. Now, the PET in PET scan stands for positron emission tomography. And this is an imaging test that uses radioactive glucose as the tracer to find cancer cells in the body. Now, glucose is sugar. In other words, this radioactive glucose, which is sugar, goes straight to the cancer cell because those cancer cells like sugar. So, does water cause drowning? No, water does not cause drowning. But if you have to be out in the ocean, treading water 
for long enough and are surrounded by enough water, your chances of drowning go way up. I think that's a very uh, close analogy to to sugar. It's the dose that makes the poison. Uh, enjoy enjoy a little sugar, but but not too much. So what can you do? I want to leave you just with a couple of things to think about. Number one, know how much sugar you're actually eating. I mean, read labels and calculate. If you look at a serving of barbecue sauce, for example, that has, say, eight grams of sugar, then divide that eight grams by four and picture that there are two teaspoons of sugar in that serving a barbecue sauce. There are four grams of sugar in one teaspoon of, there are four grams of sugar in one teaspoon. So think about a soda. I mean, this might make you gag because it's just shocking. Uh, A 12 ounce soda, which is not a big one. We're not talking big gulps. We're talking a 12 ounce can of soda contains about, uh, say, 39 grams of sugar. That's actually what's in a Coke. Uh, Now that is almost 10 teaspoons. Divide 39 by four and you've, you're, you're pushing 10. So you would never fix yourself a glass of tea or uh, any other drink at home and, and put 10 teaspoons in it. Most likely. I mean, you, by the time you got to five, you'd just be like, Oh, that's enough. So, uh, so know, know where you are. Okay, true life story. Uh, this is a patient that I'm going to call Sandy. I don't know where the name Sandy came from. Her name is not Sandy. But Sandy had lots of decay, lots of health problems. She was just getting cavities, cavities, cavities. And she's just like, I don't eat dessert. I don't eat candy. I don't, you know, I, I don't eat any of that stuff. So as we talked more closely, what I found out, Uh, is that she was drinking eight Dr. Peppers a day, eight cans of Dr. Pepper a day. So, oh, golly, take that eight times 39, uh, even eight times four. Yikes. That's going to be like 80 teaspoons of sugar a day. So no wonder she was having tooth decay, but she was also suffering from all kinds of other chronic inflammatory problems. She had arthritic problems. Her blood sugar was a mess. Uh, She was taking medicine for high blood pressure. She was experiencing brain fog and not much energy. We we sort of we sort of started talking about these, you know, this Dr. Pepper. And as a wellness coach, my philosophy is always start low, go slow. And and enjoy life, but but start heading in the right direction. So so for Sandy, what we did is she started uh, diluting one Dr. Pepper a day. So she would drink would drink uh, her seven Dr. Peppers on the first day, and then her eighth Dr. Pepper, she would dilute. Now, this this was sort of to taper off. And some people wouldn't agree with me, but what I've seen in my, uh, my 62 years is that it's hard to cold turkey stop things that you're addicted to. And that's very, very addictive. So so what happened over a course of about six months, she weaned herself down to one Dr. Pepper a day. That's success. I thought that was just so great. But interestingly, her blood sugar improved. She started feeling better mentally. Her uh, her joints felt better. I mean, all of her inflammation in her body decreased. Um, it's just easy to to drink dessert or eat dessert in the form of 
a, a sauce or a dressing or a bagel or just regular foods that you're not really thinking of as dessert can actually be dessert because of all this added sugar. So know how much you're eating. Read labels uh, if you're eating foods with labels. So, and then you want to optimize what you eat. You know, food food is full of all the things that increase your vitality. Whole food fiber uh, is especially important. I, I don't recommend that you drink fruit juices. Eat the whole fruit and the whole vegetable. This has been studied extensively and... Um, and it's been estimated through lots and lots of research that at least a third of cancers could be prevented uh, with a diet high in uh, whole fruits and vegetables. So because what they found in these studies is that when people eat whole f- fruits and vegetables, they necessarily eat less sugary foods, fewer processed foods, because these whole foods uh, actually increase satiety. They make you feel more satisfied um, more quickly and for longer. So and then number three. So number one is know how much you're eating. Know that uh, four grams of sugar equals one teaspoon of sugar. Uh, number two, um, know, eat, some, eat some real food and real food fiber. You can get easy fiber list on uh, off the internet. Uh, even though we don't know how the internet works, uh, we can we can get lots of good stuff off of there. And you can just know that, say, when you eat uh, an apple, how much fiber is in there. Try to aim for a thir- at least 30 grams of fiber a day, even a little north of that, if you could... Um, Go to go to forty because that's going to help uh, regulate all of this inflammation in your body. Start low, go slow. You don't want to just like like eliminating something that you need that you need and want to eliminate. You also have to start slowly adding back good things. So, and then number three, when you're eat when you're eating a dessert, eat it mindfully and enjoy it. Enjoy the heck out of it is what I tell my clients. Eat it without guilt. I mean, the tricky thing about sugar is that it's everywhere and every meal becomes dessert. And when every meal is dessert, it really dulls your taste buds so that when you get that yummy piece of key lime pie, which is my dessert of choice, you don't really taste it as much. You want to eat it slowly, put your fork down, really savor it, and don't feel guilty if you're going to eat it. Just know what you're doing. You know, we are experiencing a catastrophic increase in chronic inflammatory diseases, and much of cancer is inflammatory, is chronic inflammation. I mean, other things include insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, depression, you know, autoimmunity, osteoporosis, on and on. I mean, think of all the things that people take medicine for. Mostly, they are chronic inflammatory problems. And those same chronic inflammatory problems set you up for other chronic inflammatory problems including cancer. So does water cause drowning? No, but you don't want to stay too long in the deep water. You don't want to have to swim long enough and hard and hard enough that you get so exhausted that you drown. Does sugar cause cancer? No, we can't say cause, but your body 
has to have other good things and sugar can overwhelm it. Uh, it's interesting in Proverbs twenty five sixteen. I mean, you know, the Bible speaks to this. Do you like honey? Uh, don't eat too much honey or it'll make you sick. I mean, even back then with honey, and that wasn't, you know, the big, the big uh, bag of white sugar. So, so to keep this relationship vehicle running, you have to give it uh, the nutrition it needs. You want to enjoy a little sweet stuff, but too much sugar will absolutely get in the way of your hopes and dreams. It will rob your vitality, uh, cause you to have to spend time and money uh, trying to get well. It's, it's easier to stay well or to do some things before you actually get sick. So thank you for joining me today. Remember, a vitality mindset takes the stress out of being healthy. If you know what you want, it's easier to make choices that get you there because we don't want to be normal. I mean, normal in our world is not a good thing. I mean, it's dehydrated, irritated, constipated, frustrated, overscheduled, overstimulated, undernourished, underrested, and totally stressed out. Normal is probably eating way too much sugar that is hampering vitality. So take control of your mental, your physical, your emotional health with just these simple, sustainable strategies. I hope this is not stressful for you. I thank you for listening. And uh, please, please share, please subscribe, and I'll see you I won't see you, but uh, I'll look forward to being together in episode 11 when we talk about some very common causes of brain fog and how to mitigate those. Blessings until next time.